0: Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom for the arcade. Video game worlds of Dungeons & Dragons have usually closely followed their tabletop version of the game. That being role-playing games full of exploration and stories to unfold. But what happens when D&D meets the beat-em-up craze? Let's find out with 1994's Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom. It is almost like clockwork that I am reviewing yet another D&D-based video game. Aside from digital games, tabletop has been one of my passions for a long time, and it has been natural for me to gravitate to games that carry the brand license. So despite their diversity in settings and execution, these all have been licensed games. Normally licensed games do not do well, but D&D games have, in my opinion, usually been pretty good forays into fantasy. Yet the early 1990s was the age of the beat-em-up, ruling the arcade scene for a brief few years. And instead of a modern setting of grimy streets ruled by parades of pastiche villains based loosely on the warrior's cast-off gang characters, Capcom, masters of the genre at the time, went sword and sorcery instead. Literally. With the help of the world's oldest role-playing game, as the trademark says. The backdrop of our game is the Greyhawk setting, one of d ds oldest settings. The one created and run by Gary Gygax and his original group of dungeon masters themselves before they let other creators have a chance at making their own settings. Greyhawk is about as fantasy as it gets. High magic, trolls, goblins, ogres, airships, gallant knights, vile sorcerers, you name it. It's all here and it's a barely sanded the serial numbers off of Lord of the Rings or Conan the Barbarian or Faford and the Gray Mouse or glory. But it's a beat-em-up. So how exactly does this work? Allow me to explain. The game plays like one would expect. You can select one to four playable characters known only as Fighter, Cleric, Elf, and Dwarf. This game plays off of the original first edition rules, set when elf and dwarf were races and classes at once, and humans were everything else. Nothing like old-school fantasy racism, I guess. The fighter has a broadsword, the cleric has a mace and heals the party, the elf has a bow and arrow and casts spells like fireball and lightning, and the dwarf has an axe and shield and hits harder than the fighter. The player could still perform attacks that would be staples of the genre, such as rushing shoulder tackles, jumping kicks, Crouching, evading, super attacks, and the like. Plus, players could find as treasure throwing knives, hammers, one use magic rings, and spell scrolls, healing potions, and other goodies. Again, all great beat em ups, tropes. But this is based on a role playing game, and if you think Capcom forgot that, don't worry, I got you. Tower of Doom is also fairly unique, as it was a light role playing game. Your characters gain experience as they complete the levels and challenges, and the in-game memory keeps the information on hand. So the player may end up helping future players by leveling up playable characters, making them stronger and hardier, and even gaining the magic weapons and armor to make fights easier, much like the tabletop game. So Capcom was able to serve both masters by being an RPG and a brawler long before such a genre blends became the norm in gaming. Hell, this game even had branching paths, similar to Golden Axe. As far as the story, however, it's paper thin. The Kingdom of Darikin is under siege by hordes of monsters, and our four heroes step up to slaughter to win. A local merchant lord uh, hires them to find out why so much of the region is under the thumb and claws of goblins, manticores, and just about everything else out of the mythology playbook. And all of it is under control of a powerful fiend known as an Archlich, named Demos. For you non nerds out there, a Lich is a scary powerful zombie wizard. The heroes travel to Demos's lair, the titular tower of Doom, storm its multiple levels, and slay him in spectacular Capcom brawler fashion. As I've said before, These beat-em-up plots aren't much, but they weren't supposed to be. The development of this game is another story. Capcom acquired the rights to develop a D&D game in the early 90s, but they didn't know what to do with it. Back then, D&D was still largely owned by its original company, TSR, and they weren't that interested in having this type of game developed with their product. So Capcom Japan turned to Capcom USA to negotiate. But the USA branch didn't know what to do with it. It was decided to create a story for the game first, but it had to make sense to a Japanese audience, but they weren't sure how to do that. Luckily, Capcom USA had a d and player in the house at the time, so his bosses pushed him to the head of the development line, where he had created the characters and had his own at-home and players play out the written scenario to see if it would work, and Capcom Japan revised their ideas for the game based on what those real-life players did in the story world. I guess it all worked out and was able to make sense to a Japanese audience, because here we are and here I am talking about it. Tower of Doom sold and played very well in both Japan and the US for the months after it was released, and the gaming news of the time lauded it for its complexity and non-linear structure, which I feel is definitely a strength of this title helping it stand out against a slew of brawlers of the period. I discovered this arcade cabinet in the small arcade at The Mall, where I found Alien vs. Predator, which I've reviewed previously. This is one where I wish I had some more magical story around the title, but sadly, this one is not a tale as magical as the world of the game. I first heard of it in the gaming news, and of course, as a fan and player of Dungeons & Dragons, I wanted to play it. Much like I had done with so many titles based around the licensed property. So it was something of a surprise when I found it, live and in the wild. Sure, the cabinet was obviously bought second-hand, the damage of fading and cigarette burns covering the controls, damage so frequent back then that when smoking was still allowed in most places, and it was hardly uncommon to see someone smoking while playing and spilling cigarette ash all over the machine while drunk or on drugs on a Saturday night, in a busted-out old coal town with nothing else to do but, you know, for me, it was like its own form of gold, a rare and precious commodity in the gaming world. It was what I'd hoped for and a bit more. It was a simpler time back then, when a licensed beat-em-up didn't have to be anything more than what it was. Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom is yet another fantastic example of Capcom's skill at crafting a genre that has gone through a lot of ups and downs since the death of the arcades. While the world is used to somewhat hackneyed and overplayed by today's standards, the game itself is beautifully rendered and plays as smooth as silk. It has a lot of replay value and is certainly worth the time of longtime fans of the genre and the new and the curious alike. Thankfully, it can be found in the modern day on Steam, if not an arcade out there somewhere. And the best part is, you don't have to slay a dragon to find it. You just have to pay off the twin guards of Capcom and Gabe Newell. Maybe I'd have been better off with the dragon. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad, Keith Gasper, and Masked Lama for being patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves Podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.